Let us pray. Dear Lord, send your spirit among us, O God, as we meditate on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Prepare our minds to hear your word. Move our hearts to accept what we hear. Purify our will to obey in joy and faith. This we pray through Christ our Savior. Amen. This morning's reading, uh, Old Testament reading, comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verses 16 through 21. I will be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Listen for the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings out chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lay down. They cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I'm about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild animals will honor me the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the deserts, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed myself, so that they might declare and praise. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Our gospel reading comes from John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Listen for the word of the Lord. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always will have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O oh God, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as your word is proclaimed, we may hear what you are saying to us today. Now let the words of your servant's mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer, through Christ. Amen. The sermon title this morning is The Fragrance 
of salvation. I think we have a problem showing our thankfulness in this country. Perhaps that's why Hallmark cards became so popular. We've become a society that sends cards even when proximity is not an issue. Things have deteriorated even further. We no longer have to go to the store, but get a card online. While convenient, it can feel disconnected from genuine ways of showing our gratitude on many levels. While some cards have significant meaning and can hit the mark, many do not say much of anything. Still, we add our thank you and love you at the end of the card to make it seem more intimate. Our text today speaks to genuine gratitude. Before entering our text, we find in chapter 11 that Lazarus was very ill. As I envision it, with their hearts pounding, his sisters Martha and Mary were concerned enough to call on Jesus. We can all probably remember a time when we were so desperate in our lives that we set everything else aside and without hesitation called on Jesus in our time of need. That telephone call in the middle of the night, that gentle hand on our shoulder that tells us that they need to say something important to us, Martha and Mary called on Jesus. Martha was so distraught that when she heard Jesus was coming into town, she met and confronted him, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Mary echoes the exact haunting words. When Jesus showed up, Lazarus had already died with the stench of death coming out of the tomb because he had been there for four days. But amid their immense emotional distress, Martha and Mary had faith in Jesus, and Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. In gratitude, Martha, Mary, Lazarus, and the disciples showed their thankfulness to Jesus by having a meal. We don't know who cooked, but we know Martha served. Lazarus reclined and Mary anointed. Jesus wants us to invite him into our presence. Remember what he has done for us. Rest in faithful fellowship with one another and give our most costly devotion to him. To invite Jesus into our presence then and today takes great courage. An old saying is, getting old ain't for wimps. We can say the same thing about following Jesus. Being a Christian ain't for wimps. Believers risk ridicule and retribution when we talk about what Jesus has done for us in the world that only wants to hear about their truth. And we can remain silent. Insecurities in our faith can cause us to fail to share our stories of Jesus' great signs in our lives with others, thus reflecting, thus not reflecting, our genuine thankfulness 
to God. For those providing and attending the dinner, the threat of following Jesus was real. In John 11 and 57, the chief priests and Pharisees warned anyone who knew where Jesus was that they should let them know that they might arrest him. Jesus was an outlaw by the religious leaders and those who harbored him would be an accessory to Jesus and face severe punishment or even death. Still, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary hosted Jesus in this fellowship meal. The word courage as a verb does not appear anywhere in the New Testament. However, courage alludes to our dependence on Christ and opportunity, as in 1 Corinthians 16 and 9, which says, a wide door for effective work has opened for me, and there are many adversaries. When life is daunting, we can walk in the courage of Christ's faithfulness. Lazarus was at particular risk, for he was the evidence of the miracle and saving power of Jesus. He could have hidden away in safety, assuming others knew his gratefulness, but he chose to be present. His miracle would precipitate the death sentence of Jesus, where he now stands. If we were raised from the dead by Jesus, I imagine too, we would have no fear. Thanks be to God, resurrection is our promise in Christ. Ezekiel 2 and 6 says, And you, O mortal, do not be afraid of them, and do not be afraid of their words. Though briars and thorns surround you, and you live among scorpions, do not be afraid of their words, and do not be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. Moreover, Mary could have been stoned to death, for it was scandalous for her to let down her hair to wipe Jesus' feet. An act of intimacy, openness, and privacy was a woman unbinding her hair only to be allowed at home and with close family members. In great humility, Mary felt completely safe in the holy presence of the Lord. Courage is a needed characteristic to be a follower of Jesus. To be faithful in our fellowship requires us to be intentional. Sometimes we take the perspective of assuming others know where we stand. To be present requires our time, energy, and commitment. The gospel writer does not tell us who hosted the dinner or what was served, but gives us the main supports, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. We know this fellowship banquet was inspired by the reflection and thanksgiving of the joyous occasion of the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead. Despite the cost of being with Jesus, they set their minds on serving him, he who turned their mourning into joy. 
Verse 2 says, there they gave a dinner for him. John uses a Greek word for dinner that outside this verse and exclusive to this gospel refers to Jesus' last meal with his disciples. This meal imitates his final meal and the new life that awaited them in Christ. Each sibling participated in making this feast unforgettable by giving their very best. The text says, Martha served. With gladness, Martha served him food and drink. She had a gift of hospitality, which was her best in honoring her Lord. I believe Martha gets a bad reputation for always being too busy to recognize who Jesus is. But that was not the case. Jesus says in John 11, verses 26 and 27, And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Martha replied, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. Martha knew Jesus and lived into her needed gift of service. Luke 10 and 38, Martha's character seems true to form when she welcomes Jesus into her home. We must honor the Lord with our gifts as an act of who Christ made us to be in him. Lazarus was probably tired and could have used some much needed rest and could have said to his sisters, how about we have that dinner sometime next week or when I feel up to it? Instead, Lazarus was present, reclined at the table with Jesus and the disciples, grateful to God for the opportunity of new life. I wonder about the inspiration and power of the testimony he shared with those around the table. We must take time to fellowship with Christ and all brothers and sisters around us. We must share our stories of the amazing things Christ has done for us that others might be enriched along our journey. Our communion with Christ should reflect our deep love and commitment to him. When we give Christ our pure devotion, it should be costly. Too often we offer him our second best. We can exercise every day and commit to a diet, but we find it difficult to pray daily. We can review our financial portfolios and follow the market trends, but we are not committed to giving the church our time, talents, and treasures. We can plan the grandest of vacations and getaways, but cannot find any time to participate in the body of Christ, Christ to which we belong and are called to serve. We are looking for bargains in our faith journey, trying to get the most out of Christ and pay the least. But Christ calls us into a costly devotion that reflects our love for the priceless benefit of salvation through him.
something we cannot buy for ourselves or others. Costly love is the intimate giving of our very best to Jesus, not only by what we say, but by what we do. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard and anointed Jesus' feet and wiped them with her hair. Verse 3. Nard was a thick, strong, aromatic, spiced ointment prepared from the spike nard root and stems of a plant native to the high altitudes of the Himalayan mountains in India. It was highly expensive because buyers imported it from a considerable distance. A scholar notes the best spikenard ointment was commonly imported in sealed boxes of alabaster, which were stored and opened only on exceptional occasions. It should be no surprise that Mary would have such devotion, for she sat at the master's feet. Anyone who comes to Jesus in this way will have this kind of devotion to him. Mary poured the fragrance on Jesus' head at Simon the leper's house in Matthew 26 and 7 and Mark 14 and 3 and on his feet at Lazarus' house in John 12 and 3. Bathing at that time was premium and was infrequent. With such hot climates and humidity, guests were often refreshed at a special occasion. As one commentary states, a dab of oil on the head or face of a guest. Mary's devotion did far more for Jesus. Reclined at the low table with his feet and legs sticking out, she anointed his feet. Not even an enslaved person was required to touch their master's dirty and smelly feet. But she did not hesitate submitting to Christ as her Lord and Savior. Mary poured out a pound of costly perfume on his feet, so much so that the fragrance of the perfume filled the entire house. Mary reflected incredible love for Christ at a high cost to her by anointing his feet. And yet, some are defiant to devotion. The phrase, no deed goes unpunished, may or may not be appropriate here, but we must know that good devotion seldom goes unchallenged. As soon as Mary turned and praised to Jesus, Judas Iscariot, who betrayed Jesus, challenged Mary's high commitment to Christ to sell her perfume for 300 denarii to give to the poor. But the text calls Jesus, Judas a thief, because he wanted to steal the money for himself. 300 denarii was about a year's wage, around $26,000 based on our minimum wage. Yet Judas would soon betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, today worth about $2,600. One Christian counselor training another said, counselor, if you haven't already learned it, learn it now. Much pious talk is but a cover-up for sin. While this might not always be true, 
One scholar notes, Judas proves how persuasively a hypocrite can play the role of a disciple, even one entrusted with high privileges. Judas did not think Jesus was so valuable as the cost of the 30 pieces of silver was only a sliver of the value of the perfume. Judas, Judas was the real beggar. People are still selling Jesus for 30 pieces of silver today. Too many give too much value to their stress, worries, and personal agendas in place of Jesus, who heals, transforms, and saves us. Being consumed by our concerns steals our pure devotion. Mark's gospel says some. Matthew's gospel says the disciples. But Jesus singled out Judas in John's gospel and said to him in verse 7 and 8, Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you but you do not always have me. Jesus connected this thick fragrance to his death on the cross, which Mary would not have the privilege to anoint his body in the tomb, for she had already done it. At this pivotal point in the security of salvation history, we should not displace our devotion to Christ while we still ought to open our hearts and hands to the poor. Thus, the best oil, the most highly prized perfume, would only be due to what awaited Jesus, his arrest, mock trial, passion, cruel death, and his burial in the tomb, as the sweet fragrance of Mary's devotion still clung to Jesus. She was giving Jesus flowers before the funeral. Giving our costly devotion to Christ is our humble thankfulness, worship, and praise. Christ wants us to use our very best gifts to glorify him. Mary had no speaking role in the extravagance of her faithfulness, but showed us Jesus as our king whom she anointed the king on his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, the king whose triumphs in washing, the king who triumphs in washing his disciples' feet, and the king who triumphs in dying for us on the cross. When our devotion to Christ is costly, we walk in the triumph of Christ to fill the spaces we encounter with the fragrance of salvation. 2 Corinthians 2 and 14 and 15 reminds us, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads in every place the fragrance that comes from knowing him. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. I had a colleague who wore a lot of cologne every day. Too much for my liking, but it smelled good, and I never dared to tell him that it was too much. Every time we shook hands, the fragrance of his cologne stayed with me and on everything I touched. 
Wouldn't it be a blessed gift if we could leave the aroma of our faith in salvation that would linger on those we encounter? The persuasiveness of Christ's fragrance on us fills the house when we first serve Christ faithfully with our gifts with courage. Second, we must be present and share our testimonies so that those who sit at the table with us might know the healing power of Jesus. Third, we must demonstrate our most costly devotion, our intimate affection, in our priority for Jesus, that all might know the saving death of Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary, in our costly response to our genuine thankfulness for what Christ has done for us, others will encounter the fragrance of salvation given to us by Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If Christ is calling you to serve him, will you come? Will you come?